Welcome to the Thrive City Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. All right, good morning. Hey, what's up, Thrive City Church? Let's go. It's cold outside, but it is warm. It is exciting in here. It is so good to see each and every one of you this morning. Look, if we have not yet had a chance to meet, my name is Pastor Ben. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Thrive City Church. And again, we're going to say it over and over and over again. I just want to welcome you. Whether we've met before or not, maybe this is your first time being in church in a long time or the first time in forever, you are welcome here. So wow, what an incredible morning it is. Uh, I, I feel like I need to acknowledge something that we are all painfully aware of at the moment, is that life is different. Life is different than it was. Life is different than it probably will be, and, and it applies to us as a church, in a perfect world, we would have a, a kids' ministry that's bustling and hustling with different kids. We'd have a, a coffee set up, and none of us would be wearing masks. Uh, but look, let's just acknowledge that we're in a period of life that is a little bit different. So I want you to know that as we go, as we're permitted to do so, we're rolling out a lot of different things, uh, different ministries that we have been preparing for just because of the stage that we're in right now, we're not able to offer. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're good? We're on the same page? Awesome. This is a day that we have been praying for, that we have been preparing for, for a long time. So no matter who you are, you need to know that this morning you are a part of something special. It's not every day that a new church is launched, especially in the midst of a pandemic. So whether this is our first time meeting or you've been a part of our team for years, this is a moment that we have been getting ready for through so many discouragements and disappointments. Now, I'm going to spare you the full story. That's something that you can learn about in the coming weeks if you decide to come back and, and take part in growth track and learn more about us as a church. But I want to tell you a few of the reasons why we should not be here today. Why we should not be here. Some of you might remember that a couple years ago, at this point, our first public interest party, we called them, right? Our first public gathering, hey, we're starting a new church. Come check it out. That was scheduled for March 15th, 2020, the, the, the weekend the world shut down. I remember that weekend just going, what are we going to do? Right? Like many of us, what is life going to look like now? And as you can imagine, as the pandemic swept the globe, every place that we had, we had felt that would have been a possibility for us to meet at as a church would obviously close their doors to us. Sorry, we can't do that. So after almost a year of having church online and meeting in homes, we found this place, a miracle of God. However, with the unpredictable nature of commercial real estate, some of you understand, we had to reschedule our launch two separate times. Oh, that was so painful. Even in the past few months, in the weeks leading up to this day, it has been hard. And we've been faced with hurdle after hurdle emotionally and physically and spiritually. I like to say that Satan does not like to beat a dead horse. 
He doesn't like to beat a dead horse. He knows that God is up to something big, and he wants to do anything that he can to stop it. I told the team this morning that we are not giving up without a fight. We're not going down easy. And now, more than ever, I believe in all of my heart that God has called us for such a time as this to launch, to plant a new life-giving church in the city of Syracuse, that our city may be transformed as people come to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Amen? Does that get you excited? Is it because we don't have coffee? Is that it? Yeah, we'll get it worked out, Sam. That's all right. So before we jump in, can we just take a quick moment and thank God for the miracle in front of us? The fact that we're in this room. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you. My goal for this morning is to not burst into tears. So here we go. I'm only a couple minutes in. (laughs) Hey, this morning we're kicking off a brand new series called I Am. Brand new series called I Am. Here at Thrive City Church, I believe that each and every one of us has been created and called to be a son or a daughter of God. And on our journey of discovering more of who God is, we by nature learn more about who he has created us to be. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a couple of these different I Am statements in Scripture that will help us secure our identity and help us step out into the fullness of the adventure that God has planned for our lives. So maybe this morning, I'm not sure uh, really who you are or where you are coming from in life, but maybe you have been struggling with feeling overwhelmed or unprepared or inadequate. Maybe you feel like a failure as a parent or as a spouse. And maybe you've made a couple too many mistakes that you are not proud of and you're not sure how to move past the feelings of guilt and shame. But I have good news for you this morning, that you are not defined by the mistakes of your past. You have a God-given purpose and identity, not one that we strive hard for or work to obtain, but one that is freely given to us by grace through faith. So my prayer this morning as we spend a few moments together is that you would be able to leave this place being confident in who you are because of who he is. So today, I want us to take a look at a passage of scripture in the book of 1 Peter. This is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to those who had been dispersed throughout the ancient world as the persecution of the church began to increase. So the book in this letter of 1 Peter is a beautiful letter about hope in the midst of suffering. So here Peter encourages his readers that through Jesus, they have been adopted into the family of God and now have a new identity. A new identity, an identity where they can stand firm in hope no matter what comes their way. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 through 16 together. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be right up on the screen behind us. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for moments like this. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather together this morning and to worship you. We thank you for the new identity that we have in Christ. We thank you that you have called us to be holy, for you are holy. We ask this morning that you would breathe your life into the pages of Scripture through the power of your Spirit. We ask, may your truth come to life in our lives, changing us from the inside out. May we be a people and a church who are set apart for your purpose. God, speak to us now so that we may never be the same. In your precious name we pray, amen. If there is one thing, if there's one thing that I've learned over the past couple years is that I am thankful that I did not have social media when I was in middle school or high school. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? Thankfully for me, I only have to relive a little bit of my cringe MySpace days or the early days of Facebook. You know how embarrassing it is to go through those memories that you posted and the statuses you posted like 10, 12 years ago? Right? Benjamin Tubbs is eating a sandwich. What? Why would I post that? Oh, still so embarrassing. But I'm glad that there is really, other than a few photos, there's no concrete record of my adolescent awkwardness and how bad it actually was. I might still be going through it, I'm not too sure. But when I was around 10 years old, going into fifth grade, my life changed pretty drastically. My parents got divorced, we moved, I changed schools, and all of a sudden, I was faced with that task that no kid likes to do, to make a new group of friends. Right, it's the worst. I remember the first day of school walking into the cafeteria and going like, all right, who am I going to hang out with? Is it going to be the skater kids, or the hippies, or the jocks, or whoever it was at that time? I mean, I, who am I kidding? I didn't really fit in with any of them, right? I was the sheltered Christian kid who would read the Chronicles of Narnia at lunch, right? Anybody else? Guilty. As time progressed, what I tried to do is I, I, I started to try on different personalities or styles or hair colors in an attempt to try and find out who I was. I remember this pattern of thinking sticking with me as I got older, as I was a teenager. I, I, I tried out for the basketball team. Kind of funny, right? I, uh, I immediately got cut. And they were like, are, are you lost? Like, are you Okay. Uh, I, I started learning how to play guitar, obviously only to uh, try and impress girls. Right. Uh, I tried running cross country for a season. Uh, I figured somebody has to come in last. Uh, I would bear that crown. And it's almost like I thought that all, trying all of these different things, I thought that my accomplishments would lead me to my identity. 
If I worked hard enough, if I only tried enough things, and if I happened to get the combination right, hopefully one day something would stick and that's who I would be. That would be who I could roll with. That would be my identity. But little did I know, identity has nothing to do with preference and who I want to be, but everything to do with purpose and who God has called me to be. You see the difference? In a lot of ways, this is very, very similar to what the Apostle Peter is explaining in this letter. When he said that God has called us to be holy since he is holy. We're going to explore it more in a moment, but we need to understand that holiness is a divine calling, not a human accomplishment. You see the difference there? We are empowered to be holy because God who created us is holy. Holiness is about God who sets us apart, not us trying really hard to be good. So discovering our identity or pursuing holiness is not about us reaching, but it's us receiving from God. So what I want to do in the next couple of minutes is dive further into this passage, going back to the book of 1 Peter, to hopefully help us get a better understanding of what it means to be holy as God is holy. So that we can leave this place saying, because God is holy, I am holy. Standing firm in that identity. Verse 13, if you have your Bibles in front of you or looking up at the screen, verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter here is saying, therefore, because of everything that I've already said in this letter, although we haven't read it together, he's saying, because of the living hope that you have in Christ Jesus, this hope that can withstand any hardship, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Now, literally, what Peter is saying is, gird up your loins. How often have people said that to you? Yo, bro, gird up your loins. Let's go. Come on. We're wasting time. Gird up your loins. If you're not sure what that means, uh, back in biblical times, in, in the, the, uh, what they would wear, they would wear these long and flowing robes, and they would have a belt tied around their waist. And typically, that's just kind of how they would wear it. But if all of a sudden they were in a hurry, they would be able to tuck up their robes. They would gird up their loins, pull them up, tuck them into their belt, and it would free them to run without hindrance. It's essentially meaning, yo, hike up your pants. We're ready for action. I when I read this, I immediately thought of how painful it was to wear really, really baggy pants back in the day, in the winter, and the back would just get soaked with slush and salt. And throughout the day when you're sitting at school, it would just creep up the back of your leg. Ooh. So therefore, preparing your minds for action, girding up your loins, getting ready for action, being sober-minded, Peter says, now set your hope. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's saying, remember, hey, no matter what you're going through, the story is not over. God is not done working. Set your sights on the finish line. 
expectant looking leads to enlightened living. When we have this proper perspective and we are able to get ready for action and to set our hope on the future grace of God, it leads to a different way of living. One of the best things that we can do as children of God is live lives of expectancy, watching and waiting for God to move so that we can follow and respond in obedience, especially when things get tough. If we remain expectant, we have this perspective of faith that God is not done yet. The story is not over. Peter continues saying, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. As obedient children, having been adopted into the family of God. Note he's saying, as obedient children, not obligated slaves. As obedient children, as members of the family. It means something now. You have a new identity. Do not be conformed any longer to what was. In other words, Peter is saying, in your relationship with God, if you are cultivating hope, you must also cultivate holiness. The Apostle Paul says something similar in the book of Romans chapter 12, where he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Peter's saying, instead of being conformed to this world, we are called to be transformed by God. Now I need, I need to acknowledge that there are people that take this concept to the extreme and they believe that you, know, you shouldn't watch TV or, or listen to music or even wear clothing that aligns with any sort of popular culture. But I don't think that's what Peter is getting at at all. We'll talk about that more in a second. Verse 15, Peter continues, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I remember when I first heard this verse, I thought, well, that's impossible. Make it sound a lot easier than it is. Oh, be holy? Great. Oh, I just wasn't trying this whole time. How can you say just be holy? It's not that simple. Peter, you don't know what my life is like. Well, it turns out I had a misunderstanding of what holiness is. We need to understand that holiness does not necessarily mean perfection. What Peter is not saying in this passage, and please hear me, he is not saying, look, you need to get your life right so that God will love you. You need to get your life perfect, right? God's perfect, so you be perfect. That's easy. No, that's not what he's saying. Holiness is not perfection. Holiness is being set apart for a specific plan and purpose to be used by God. Anybody's grandmas ever have fine china? in their house, and you like go to grab a plate and they're like, what are you doing? That is not for you. That is for specific people when they come over to visit. 
That China is holy. It is set apart for a specific purpose. But really with grandparents, everything is, right? There's like plastic on the couch. You're like, oh, can I sit anywhere? What is going on? So this command to holiness, it can feel impossible in our own strength. But how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to like live differently enough to set myself apart from the world? God, this feels impossible. I don't understand. However, we need to know that what God commands us, he always enables us to accomplish. So remember here, this holiness that Peter's talking about is not referring to our positional holiness. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are forever, eternally holy in Christ. This is talking about our experiential holiness or sanctification, if we want to use some $5 churchy words. In this passage, I think what the Apostle Peter was doing is he was reminding his readers of the story of Israel. As some of you know the story, God delivered the children of Israel, the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And as he did, he called them out into the desert after generations of captivity. And he gave them new laws, a new culture, a new way of living. You see, God set Israel apart. Like literally, he pulled them out of Egypt and delivered them into a new land with a new culture for a specific purpose. In a similar way, through Jesus and his work on the cross, God has set you and I apart. He has called us to be holy, dedicated to the purpose that he has for us. You see how exciting this is? There was a time that I would have been discouraged by this passage and by this verse. And I would read, be holy for I am holy. And I would go, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'll never be able to live up to God's standards. I keep messing up. I keep looking at the wrong thing. I keep saying the wrong thing. I keep, I keep hanging out with the wrong people, you know? But the good news of the gospel is that it is not up to us. That this command towards holiness is not, I need you to strive to be better, but it's look what I have already done through Jesus on the cross. So my friend, you have been called to be holy. You have been set apart by God for a specific plan and a purpose. This is not something that you have to work hard towards or to achieve, but simply to accept and receive you have been created in God's image. In Genesis chapter one, it says that we have been created in his image as his reflection, his image bearer, his hands and his feet in the world. Because God is holy, you are holy. So often we feel intimidated or overwhelmed walking into a church for the first time, re-engaging with faith that maybe we left behind because we feel the need to perform or pretend that everything is perfect. But the reality is, you need to know this if you don't know this already, all of us, especially here at Thrive City Church, are broken people, broken sinners in need of a Savior. 
So this morning, know that God has called you to be holy, for he is holy. Remember, what God has called you to, he will empower you to complete. If he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. Amen? So live a holy life. Live a transformed life. Not earning God's favor, but clearly displaying God's favor in everything that you do. So you might be asking yourself, ah, this sounds great. Thank you so much for that pep talk. What does it actually look like in my life? What does it mean to live a life of holiness? What does it mean to leave this place saying, because God is holy, I am holy? The best way I can describe this is like, it is a counterculture punk spirit. You might be thinking, what? I know you got holes in your ears, but what do you mean? It means that as followers of Jesus, we fundamentally think and operate differently in the kingdom of God. While the world chases success and prosperity, we seek purpose. While others lead with selfish desires, we lead trying to serve others. We lead with love. We extend grace. We forgive when it's hard and feels impossible. We don't hold grudges, but we show grace. To live a life of holiness is to live this transformed life that just confuses people. It makes no sense. Why are you loving these people? Why are you forgiving these people? Why are you serving these people? What benefit does that have to you? It doesn't. It's all about him. Live a transformed life. Live a holy life. Man. And we've said it a lot this morning already. This morning is, is a big deal for a lot of us for a lot of different reasons. It has taken a long time for us to get to this place where we can just be in one room celebrating together, worshiping together. For years, my wife and I have dreamed about a church that can live out this truth. Look, I don't wanna be a part of a church that's just a country club, that just hangs out, sings a couple songs together. I wanna be a part of a church that is set apart for a purpose, that makes a difference in our city, that cannot help but go noticed as people go, what is going on there? They love people. They live differently. They are set apart. Not because we just listen to different music or dress differently, but because we live differently. So may we be a church that lives out this truth. Because God is holy. I am holy. I've been set apart for a purpose. Let me pray for you as we close our time together, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you have done. We thank you for everything that you continue to do in our lives. We thank you, God, for calling us out from darkness into light, from death into life, setting us apart. We thank you for the special plan and the purpose that you have for our lives. God, we ask that you would challenge us this week to live out this holiness 
to press into everything that you have for us. We ask that you would empower us to live lives of obedience as your children. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I want to follow Jesus. I want that forgiveness and that grace that only Jesus can offer. Scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have an eternal and an everlasting life. If you want that forgiveness, as we, as we just have our heads bowed, our eyes closed, if you want the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer, if you want the everlasting life that only a relationship with Jesus can offer, if you realize that you cannot do for yourself what needs to be done and that only Jesus can do what you cannot do for yourself, if you want to receive his love, his forgiveness, his relationship and spend eternity with him, I want you to do something simple. Just shoot up your hand the count of three. I believe that something special happens when we respond on the outside to what God is doing on the inside. Nobody's looking but me. One, God loves you so much. Two, you will never be the same. Three, all over this room, all over this room. God, we thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you see these hands, you see these hearts God, we thank you for how you were already at work. We thank you for dying on the cross in our place. We thank you for defeating sin, for defeating death, being raised on the third day, allowing us an opportunity to experience a thriving life with you. Jesus, we thank you that only you can forgive. So this morning, God, especially those who raised their hands as an act of faith, this morning we accept and we receive Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of exciting things that are going to happen. Uh, look, if that was you this morning, you made a decision. I would love to speak with you at some point. We don't even have to do it face-to-face. -face. If you just want to fill out one of those Connect cards, uh, just write your information down. I give you a hassle-free guarantee. You're not going to get spammed. I just want to help you take that next step towards a thriving life with Jesus, living a life of holiness. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and we would love to connect with you. 